Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Hey, what's up, Bridge Church? I miss you a ton, and I pray that it's going really well. I pray you're having an awesome, awesome time. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, thank you again for this time on sabbatical. Uh, and uh, I pray to come back refreshed and renewed and just ripping and roaring and ready to go. Uh, anyway, hey, here's the deal. We are in the Warrior Series right now. I'm just taking a few weeks out of uh, this time to come through video on this message to you. Um, anyway, I'm Chris. My wife is Heather. She's awesome. And we have five kids. We're pastors of the Bridge Church. And we're excited that you're joining with us this morning. Um, what I want to do just quick is before we jump in is I want to recap kind of message one. And we talked about basically Nehemiah being that vision warrior. You know, he learned that the walls in Jerusalem were destroyed. And he realized that he had to, you know, pray to God to go, God, what, what happened? And he confessed his sins and, and he asked God to really, um, you know, use him and use what was taking place there. And uh, he prayed and, and he just brought it before God. You know, it's what every visionary leader does. Visionary leaders are going to experience trouble along the way. And then yet God has you in that place for a reason, as we'll see here this morning um, in chapter two. One last quick thing, if you missed it last time, um, Nehemiah is part of a, a, one other book. It's actually part of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And everything in the Old Testament, just FYI, points to Jesus, where everything in the New Testament, so Matthew and beyond, points at Jesus. And so I'm going to go through a few scriptures this morning. I don't have them on the screen for you, so if you have a Bible, look along, just like last time. If you have a version app, you can use that. It's Y-O-U version. You can download that on any device, or get to know a stranger next to you or a neighbor next to you and, and look on with them this morning. What I want to do here is the last thing in chapter 1 that Nehemiah said is he said, I was cupbearer to the king. In other words, it was who he was, his providence, stating this is why God has me here. This is who I am. And then we see this unfold. So basically in chapter 1, it's not really about doing, it's about being, where we see chapter 2 goes from being to really doing. And so the first thing that God has to do is he's got to get a hold of our hearts. So that's the visionary Warrior, And we see God do that in chapter 1. And so then we pick up chapter 2. And here's the deal. I'm going to give you a huge chunk of scripture that we're going to start with. So I want you to stay with me. If you want to close your eyes just to listen. If you want to look and, and follow along or with your neighbor. Do whatever you can. Because we're going to look at um, the first 20 verses here in chapter 2. So I want you to stay with me. I'll read them as clear, as concise as possible. Here we go. If you're ready, say yeah. I hope you said yeah. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1. And it came to pass... In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Remember that. Verse 3. And he said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, what do you request? There it is. What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven 
And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Send me. Send me, me and my praise. Verse 6. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they may... Uh, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he must give the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. That is quite the prayer and request, I think. Verse 9. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. That's awesome, by the way. When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Verse 12, then I arose in the night. I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put on my heart to do in Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went to the fountain gate, to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. Verse 16. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be of reproach or be a reproach. Verse 18. And I told them the hand of my God, which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and now Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us. They despised us. And they said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? The last verse here. So I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. I know I'm not with you in presence, but I want to pray. And so I'm inviting you here to, to pray with me this morning. God, I believe firmly that you spoke through Nehemiah, not only as a visionary warrior, not only as a prayer warrior, Lord, but as a warrior, Lord, to do your will of what you want to do. And God, sometimes you're warriors. We can't just sit by, but we have to be a warrior and take action. I pray this morning that you would speak to us within the vision you've placed on our hearts and what we're to do. Lord, we are to be in your presence, but we're also to do for you uh, good works. And so I pray that we'd find that balance this morning as we unwrap chapter two together. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to go back to verse five for just a moment. In verse five, Nehemiah said this, 
He said, And I say to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Did you catch that? He's the one, he's going, here's the vision that God has placed in my heart. I'm asking that you bring me. God, I'm asking that you send me to go and to do this. Um, there's this balance in, in Christianity between being and doing. God has created us to do both. You know, he's made us vision warriors. He's made us prayer warriors. But then I believe he wants to make us, and I believe this is where God is going here this morning, is he wants us to be sending or going warriors in general. You know, a warrior is someone that gets something done. Uh, I think of like the old medieval movies. Uh, one of my favorite ones, you know, I've seen Braveheart, I've, I've seen a lot like that, but my favorite is Gladiator. Come on, you like Gladiator? I love Gladiator. And uh, if you ever read the historical context behind Gladiator, there's none at all. It's, it's mostly fiction. There's a few truths that are interspersed within the movie, but it's a fictional movie. But it's a great movie because what ha- takes place, and I won't give it all away, but Gladiator, it, he basically, the lead character... His family is wiped away, his family is killed, and then they make him, uh, you know, basically in, take him into jail and they make him go out and fight for his life. The gladiators, they would get together and one of them would fight until the other would die. And if he didn't do this, he would die. And so what do you do in that situation? And so he's not only a gladiator, he was a warrior. And the reason that he did this, the reason that he stood up for it, rather than just dying, there was times he wanted to just die, is because he wanted to get to the king, who at that time was an evil king. You know, The lead character in Gladiator wanted to destroy him because he knew of the oppression and he knew of the slavery and the bondage of his people. It's, it's an incredible movie. Um, you know, I watched it with, with Isaac. We own the, the clean version. I, you know, it's just FYI, it's rated R. So if you go and watch it today, you're like, that's really gory. It is really gory. Like, my wife won't even watch that one. But I'm a guy and I like that kind of stuff. And so, anyway, it's that, that like warrior kind of deal, you know. I can't think of anything else, but uh, like Gladiator, and he gets, at the end scene is just incredible, and I won't give it away, but if you get a chance to even Google the end scene of Gladiator, he confronts the king as a gladiator with people all around him and the king's uh, guards who are ready there to basically kill the gladiator on behalf of the king and how it unravels in the end is just incredible. The reason I bring that up though is because if he wouldn't have gone and taken action, nothing would have taken place until God brought up someone else. So do you want it to be you that God uses or are you constantly looking for it to be somebody else? You know, I, I say in messages all the time, you know, I, I'm watching you. I can't see you because it's by video this morning. But I see all the time, I'll, I'll say a point and I'll watch one of you, especially if you're married, I'll see you elbow your spouse. Like, hey, that's for you. Nine times out of ten, when you elbow your spouse about something, it's for you too. And so be the warrior. Own it. Take charge. You see, here's the deal. Many of us, and I know throughout our church and the bridge, we care for this community. We're, we're caring people. But caring alone is not enough. What? What do you say, Pastor Chris? What do you say? I I do care. Caring is not enough, however. We've got to care enough to actually do something about it. Okay? Otherwise, it's just just words. You know? Um, As chapter 2 opens, here's what's interesting. You realize Nehemiah has not yet done anything? He hasn't done anything. Nehemiah chapter 2 opens... 
He's talked about the walls being broken down. He's prayed to God. He said he was the cupbearer of, of the king. But when Nehemiah chapter 2 opens, nothing has been done. And if you read through what, what scholars say, actually from chapter 1 to the beginning of chapter 2, it's actually four months that has passed. Four months that he's been praying nonstop. Nothing has been done. And so do you go, well, if there's this balance between being and doing, was it just wasted time? You know? I don't believe so. And here's the deal. Because those four months that passed between chapter 1 and chapter 2, here's why it wasn't. Because what he was doing, first of all, we already know that during this time, Nehemiah had been praying actively. Okay, Every day he was actively praying. It said he prayed without ceasing, day and night. When we read chapter 1, we don't think it's that long. But when we get to chapter 2, we realize this has been for four months Four months. That's how dedicated he is to be praying for this. Four months. During this time, not only was he doing that, but he had been actively planning. When we first started the church, we had talked to many people. And we talked about planning and said, we've been praying you know, about this church in St. Francis. Other people have been praying before us. And so I said, we need to plan. One of the things that we do a lot as Christians, we say, oh, don't worry about the plan. Just rely on the Holy Spirit. That's fine, but God wants us to plan. He's given us the ability to plan. And maybe you've heard the old adage. Uh, I didn't make it up, but I've heard it before. I don't know who first coined the phrase. But if you fail to plan, then you can plan on failing. Okay, If you fail to plan, plan to fail. And so we set up, we went to boot camps. We had, we had a psychologist that came over to our house for eight hours one day and talked to us. And so we wanted to plan in place. So we got to know the, the, you know, the city liquor store. We got to know the business owners. I got to know the police chief. Uh, we got to know the mayor at the time. And I went and I said, Hey, what are the greatest needs in this community? And so rather than just go, all right, we're going to pray for you. No, now let's figure out what is the vision, what's the mission of the church so that we can meet those needs. Not only is it caring, but now it's putting action to that caring. And so I went, and and that's one of the reasons, and you've heard me say it probably just about every week, that we're a life-giving church, okay? Uh, That's going to be the way it is as long as God tarries. We're a life-giving church. Why is that? Because we want people within this community to come through these doors and the spirit of heaviness comes off of them. We want them to leave going, that's what I needed. God encouraged me today. I can get through life now. I can do it. I can do it. And so Nehemiah, he'd been actively praying, actively planning, and then actively preparing. How is planning and preparing differently? Well, he had a plan in place. He had been praying. And then his preparation was this. His preparation was really going to the king to request for God to send him. And so these four months in between chapter 1 and chapter 2, what God did is he took a vision, put it into Nehemiah's heart, and then Nehemiah had a choice. See, the riskiest thing God has ever done is give man free will. Nehemiah had a choice of whether or not to follow that dream and to make that dream or that vision a reality, to be a sending warrior. He was already a visionary warrior and a prayer warrior. God was trying to make him into a sending warrior. And so Nehemiah realized someone needs to go and do something about the issue. So have you ever thought that before? You, you know in need, and you're like, man, somebody's got to go take care of that, you know? We have a great team of people at the church where today they see the need and they take care of it right away. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay? What is God speaking to you? God was speaking to Nehemiah that you're the one. And so we see in verse 5, Nehemiah says these words, Please send me. 
please send me. What if our prayers reflected that? God, please send me. Not, not send somebody else, not nudge the person next to us, but God, please send me. So let me ask you this this morning. Let's make it practical. What is it that God has sent you to do? What is it? What has God sent you to do? Or are you living it? Are you doing what God has created you to do? Or to be, don't get me wrong, that was chapter 1. Now chapter 2 is about doing. There's a balance. There are countless things in chapter 2. We could preach till the end of the year on chapter 2. But what I want to do is just pull out a few things from this chapter that are practical for our lives as sending warriors this morning. The first is this, number one. Nehemiah's heart showed up on his face. Okay? Nehemiah's heart showed up on his face. Many of you know I'm a gamer. I love playing games. I love playing board games. And one of my favorite games, in fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, my wife pulled it out, and it's Balderdash. You ever played Balderdash? If, if you're a good liar, man, Balderdash is awesome. That's where you learn who, who's good liars or not, or who tells the truth really well. And so I, I think I have a pretty good poker face. I think I do. I, I'm not a good liar. And so we're sitting there and we're making, if, if you've never played Balderdash, what you do is you read this word that no one understands or has ever heard of, and you have to make up a definition and then guess what's the right definition. And so I would, I would make, you know, funny definitions and I just, I love that. And I remember thinking, no one's going to know it's mine. And I just was there very, you know, straight face, poker face. And we're going around the table with my kids. And I remember my, my oldest son, Isaac, looks at me and he's like, yeah. That definition for that word is dad's. I can tell because he doesn't have any facial expression right now. And it's like, are you kidding me? I don't have any. But the fact that I didn't have any expression was the expression. And so he, he had me pegged and I didn't win. Heather's, man, Heather, she's a great liar. My wife is an incredible liar. She's just, she's awesome at it. And, uh, no, I don't take that the wrong way. I don't want hate mail. No, she's, she's one of the most I don't know a person of integrity more than my wife, all right? Uh, but she just keeps a straight face, and, and she would mix it up, so I wouldn't even know it was hers in the game of Balderdash. Here's the deal. Nehemiah's heart, it shows up on his face. Why is that important? You see, he had been in the king's presence time and time again, and this time, the king saw the sadness and knew something was different. So what? So what? During this time and day and age... If you were to show sadness in front of the king, you were likely to be killed. Okay? Just as, think of it like this. God is holy, and so if you have sin in your life, and you're trying to get to God, we can't. We can only bridge that gap through Jesus Christ alone. That, that's it. And so it's the same way where the king is saying, this is my sanctuary. The king says, you're going to come up to my throne, and there's only going to be joy and happiness, happiness, even if it wasn't real. And so anytime there was sadness in the presence of the king, the king thought that was a reflection of him and would easily take you back and off with your head. Yay! Okay? Now that's not the deal here. That's not what he does. Okay? So sadness, not allowed in the king's presence. Nehemiah, just like me in Balderdash, is trying to cover it up. If you read the text, it says he wasn't trying to show it, but it showed on his heart. He couldn't hide it any longer. The vision was starting to become a reality that was burning in him. If there is something burning in your heart, it will eventually come out. We'll know about it. What is in your heart has got to come out. What is it that's so deeply buried in your heart that only God knows that you know you need to release, you need to let it out, just as Nehemiah did? For Nehemiah, it showed, okay? And if we really care about the things of God, about the needs of, of the loved ones for, you know, knowing Jesus Christ, 
about the cause of Christ in our world, about the kingdom of God, if, if we believe that, then we need to let the vision out that God has put on our lives, the God vision. It, it will not and cannot remain a silent emotion buried in our hearts. It doesn't do anyone any good. You know, sometimes uh, I'll say something to my wife and she won't give me a facial expression back. And I go, I can't interpret that. Help. You know, Adam, Adam back in the day, he used the mind reading rib to create Eve. I don't, I don't have that anymore. I don't. I can't read her mind. Okay. So don't remain silent. But let it out what it is. What's the vision that God has put on your heart? It will show up somewhere. So Nehemiah, man, he's busted. He was caught red-handed, caught in the act of caring. Uh-oh, caring. But was he caring for the right thing? Remember, the king had people there that were slaves. The king had people that were no longer serving the God of Israel. He had oppressed them. This is the king they're under, King Artaxerxes. But the king sought on Nehemiah's face. Here's his cupbearer, the person he trusts, and he calls him out on it. Regardless of how he had planned this encounter, it was upon him now, upon Nehemiah, and he was going to face the consequences of his heart. He lost his poker face after four months. And so he shared with the king. Number two, the number two takeaway this morning is that Nehemiah's prayers reached God and the king. I want you to check this out as we unwrap this. Just a little food for thought this morning. The king had the power to either help or hinder Nehemiah. In other words, he could send him with everything that he did, like he does, or he could have killed him. Those were the options, essentially. However, however, while the king had that power, here's what's really interesting. This is this messes with free will a little bit. Um, this messes with prayer. This, this is, uh, unpack this on your own sometime. So however the king had the power, God had the ultimate power and moved the king how he wished. See, in this story, the king was really just a, a pawn in the chess game that God just moved. Okay? God got a hold of the king's heart. This is why time and time and time again throughout the entire book of Nehemiah, we will see him pray. He's a prayer warrior before a vision warrior before a sending warrior. Okay, this is a, this is a great unique emphasis here in chapter two that really unravels as a theme throughout the rest of the book. That there's this importance on man's part to do our part, but then on God's part to really trust in Him of what He's about to do. And so, in other words, only God can work on the heart of a person, but He wants to send us to do that. Hello, that can be scary sometimes. You know, Nehemiah could have been killed. He wants to do that in sharing our faith. You know, we go out and we share our faith. We could be rejected for doing that. And I'm not saying go cram something down somebody's throat. Invite them to dinner. Share with them a testimony. Ask them where they're at. Allow them, you know, pray to the Holy Spirit. God, would you allow them to ask, ask me a question in regards to faith? And they will, time and time again. You see, his prayer here in chapter 2, Nehemiah's prayer, is a little different than in chapter 1. His prayer essentially, all he says in chapter 2, all the time he has to say is, Lord, help me. You ever, you ever said those prayers? Those, those real short prayers like, God, help me. Or, God, I need you now. Are they just as powerful as a prayer with many words? Yeah, they can be. They can be. Nehemiah had learned to be in communication with God always. The lines were always open. And when he needed something from God, he could just shoot a sentence toward heaven and get a reply. That was the relationship that Nehemiah and God had. Now, I'm going to date myself here, and I have to tell you before I share this, 
This was a rerun, okay, when I was growing up. You remember Happy Days? Anybody, you remember Happy Days? Okay, Monday, Tuesday, Happy, I don't remember how it goes, something like that. You go through all the days. I, I get it wrong every time I sing it. But there was, there was one guy in there, you remember Fonzie? Hey, you know, he was the cool guy, had the leather coat, and, and he was, I was like, dude, what's up? And one of the, the best prayers I ever saw was in the, the Thanksgiving, they all get together at the Cunninghams, and they get there and they look to the Fonz or Fonzie and they say, uh, hey, Fonz, we want you to pray. And so he puts up his collar and, and this is all he says. This was his prayer. He's like, hey, God, thanks. And they eat, you know, and I think sometimes I think we our words get so misconstrued or, you know, we say all these things over and over that sometimes just a simple God help or God thanks is fine. Here's the last point I want to share with you this morning, chapter 2, uh, and kind of where I want to park out as we uh, bring this message to uh, cohesive close this morning, is Nehemiah's caring became going. Again, Nehemiah's caring became going. In the first message in this series, we learned that Nehemiah cared about the destruction and reproach of God's people in God's city. That was Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. And then we see his heart again in today's reading, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 3. And it said, Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are buried with fire? Why should I not be sad? And so it all started with his heart, okay, because he cared. He was a caring leader. He was a caring warrior. If you go back to Gladiator, the lead character was caring. He wasn't doing it out of retribution. He was doing it because he cared for people. He cared for his family. There is a reason God has put a vision in your heart. But here's the key to today's message. It would have gone nowhere. The wall in Jerusalem would have gone nowhere if Nehemiah would have stopped with just caring. Nothing would have happened. If the story ended in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 and never made it to Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 5, it would have ended. We would have had a real short book. It would have been one of the shortest books in the Old Testament. Something had to be done. Caring is wonderful, but it accomplished nothing without doing. It accomplished nothing without going. And so after much prayer, Nehemiah finally said these three words, please send me. I know I'm on video. I want you to say it with me this morning. Please send me on the count of three. We're going to say it together. One, two, three. Please send me. That's what he said. How does that change our perspective? Think of the the Good Samaritan story. If you remember this. You know, it's a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. It sounds like the start of a bad joke. It's not. You have a, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And, and the, there's a Jew who's on the road, and he's, he, he needs help. And the priest passed by, does nothing. The Levite passed by and does nothing. And we always give them a bad rap because they don't do anything. The Samaritan actually takes action. However, nowhere in the Bible does it say that the priest and the Levite didn't care. They cared, but who gets the clout? Who gets the kudos? Who gets the accolades for that story? The Good Samaritan, not because he cared, but because he did something about it. What does God want you to do with what he's placed on your heart? How does that change our perspective? You see, caring, it's not enough. Caring needs to translate into going. James chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Faith apart from works is useless, or faith apart from works is dead. And I would add to that, that caring apart from doing Something about it, it's useless as well. There's this balance. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament that shows this balance is Queen Esther. If you've ever read the book of Esther, we went through a series on Esther a couple years ago. 
And one of the favorite things I have is she prayed just like Nehemiah did. She approached the king just like Nehemiah did. She knew she could be killed in the king's presence just like Nehemiah knew that. But she prayed and then she took action. She knew that if she didn't take action, the Jews would have been annihilated. And so not only did she pray, but she took that place of action to do what God was calling her to do. Nehemiah did the same thing. Heather and I were spoken to by God to go plan a church. We're not church planners. This is not, we're, not, we're not like entrepreneur kind of people. Okay, God told us to do it. What is God telling you to do? What is it? What has God placed on your heart? Nehemiah chapter 2, 5. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Please send me. Do we care enough to do something about it? Do we care enough to go? Will any among us this morning be as Nehemiah? Will any of us see the need, care about the need, and then say, please send me? You know, sometimes we talk in Christian circles about calling. Well, I'm not called to ministry. You know, to be quite honest, I don't know if I was called either. I just volunteered. So God, God is looking for people that are saying, I just want to sign up. What is it that God wants to do? And I want to close with this. We, we share this at our membership class. We share this at our, our intro dinners. And what we have is we have what's known as a discipleship model. And I want to share this for a reason, because our discipleship model is about caring, but it's actually about going as well. And so we kind of call it the five S's. Next time you look at the bridge logo, it's a cross, if you didn't know that. And then where it crosses is where you cross the bridge of faith. And there's five parts we look at. First, we look at, we want to reach those that are seeking, okay? Those that are going, I want to, I want to know about Christ. We want to reach those that are, are saved or have, have salvation. They've found Jesus. Okay, it wasn't that Jesus was lost, it's that Jesus found them. We want to look at those that need to be saturated with either God's love or God's Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, the, the Word and access to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Number four is we want those to um, serve in some capacity. And then the last one is to send. And one of the cool parts is five, when we get to be a part of sending people to go and to plant other churches and to be a part of that as we're raising money to plant a church out of the Bridge Church, that's where we expand the ministry and again we have an eternal impact. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus came to give his life for us while we were still sinners. It's our job to go and share that message or live that message. And so be a sending or a going warrior. Have a great week. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.